This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is a crowd podcast. Hey, Katie. Hi, my name is Katie as well. <laughs> Hi. So that makes it that makes it easy. Yeah, no need to remember any names. <laughs> yeah, or more confusing, one thing or the other. <laughs> this is Katie, as you've just heard. She's a lecturer in Manchester in the UK and also a YouTube sensation. People love her. She's a hacker. Yeah, I taught Emma how to hack. She did pretty well, actually. <laughs> Did she did she grasp it or was she just like uh, terrified still by the buttons on the computer? So she was terrified, but not by the buttons, by how easy it was. I don't think I've ever seen my mom be like, that's all it takes. Like, that's it. Since meeting Cahill and Geraldine and learning about the attack on Ireland, I can't stop thinking about the people behind it. Who are hackers? Who's doing ransomware? Are they just gangs made up of moralist, megalomaniac moneymakers? And what do they even do? Is the hacker lifestyle as evil-eyed and almost glamorous as I see in my head? That used to be a lot of guesswork, but earlier this year, 60,000 secret messages from one of the world's most profitable, ruthless, and complex ransomware gangs were leaked on Twitter in what became known as the Panama Papers of Ransomware. And all of a sudden, anyone with an internet connection had a golden ticket right into the heart of their organization. Anonymous Collective has hacked the Central Bank of Russia. Unparalleled insight into who these hackers are and how they operate. Who is Conti? Answering that question is far more involved than many people believe because it's an entire ecosystem and it's a business model. I'm Katie Puckrick and this is .com The Hacking, Episode 2, Leak. There's definitely this kind of misconception that hacker is somebody in a basement, lives in one basement, has black hoodie on, is probably male in their 20s, but actually a lot of people in the security industry define themselves as being a hacker. A hacker is somebody who likes to tinker, it's somebody who likes to understand how things work. And for a lot of people that kind of, you know, is this kind of sense of Lego, is putting Lego pieces together and trying to understand how something is built. Now, I should say, Katie's a hacker, yes, but she's one of the good ones. She's what they call an ethical hacker. Basically, she finds a vulnerability on your system, but instead of using it to steal your life savings, she tells you how to fix it. One thing I get asked a lot is, how do you tell a good hacker from a bad hacker? And it's actually fairly straightforward. The good hacker will tell you about your security flaws. They're not going to attack you. They're not going to shame you. They're not going to go and post, you know, people's bank details on the internet. They're going to report it to you and be like, hey, I'd like to see this fixed because I'm ethical and these are part of my, like, the way I think. 
See, when she's not in the classroom in Manchester or showing her mom how easy hacking is, Katie's a bug bounty hunter. What a job title. It means she gets paid to find bugs on company systems and helps them fix it. And these can start around $100. I've seen people get bounties as high as $100,000 for a single vulnerability. They bought a new kitchen with it. Let's talk about hackers' motivations. Why do people hack? I think hacking, first of all, is just fun. You don't know how it's built. You don't know what computer there. You don't know how many servers it has. You don't know whether or not there's a database attached. You have no idea what's on the other line apart from what you can see. So you're building this um, jigsaw and you've got pieces, but the pieces have nothing on them. They're just plain white. And it's up to you to figure out how they all slot together. And then what about hackers who are the bad guys? What do you think their motivation is? Unfortunately, I think they have exactly the same motivation. <laughs> Even the people I know who have actually moved from being you know, bad guys to good guys kind of still have the same goal of just becoming better, solving puzzles. I think a lot of people end up kind of wandering in to the bad guys by mistake almost. Like they want to get into hacking, but they don't see other alternatives like ethical hacking. So they get kind of caught in this world of like criminals and gangs and ransomware and all of that jazz when actually they could do quite a lot if they were being ethical. Do you think if you bumped into some of the members of these gangs at some kind of hacker saloon that you'd all hit it off? Like, do you think you're all the same kind of people, even though you're adversaries? I don't think I would, personally. I think I would have major issues with them going after healthcare, especially. I think there's a lot of probably similarities between us in the reasons why. But saying that, the kind of work that gangs like Conti actually have is not interesting security work. It's quite often like grunt level of, okay, check if that person's paid, check how the encryption is going, work out what the most valuable files are, read through these emails, upload these files. It's not interesting security work. Before we go any further, you need to know about that gang Katie mentioned there. Conti. C-O-N-T-I. That's a name you're going to become familiar with. They're just a drop in the ocean when it comes to ransomware gangs. They're by no means the only ones. But they're one of the biggest and most cutthroat groups active today. You might have read about the very brutal and loud cyber war they've been waging on Costa Rica recently. And they've got everything to do with Cahill and Geraldine's story from the last episode. Conti's what's known as a big game hunter, which means they go for the biggest wildebeest out there, only targeting companies that make more than $100 million a year, which, incidentally, is a club they've recently entered themselves. The crypto crime report, published by a group called Chain Analysis, says Conti generated at least $180 million in revenue in 2021. Which isn't surprising when you learn the average ransom they're demanding from victims rose from $178,000 in 2020 to nearly $1.8 million the year after. And it was these guys who attacked the HSE and made Cowell's life hell, so they've got my attention. But it's not that easy to figure them out. Their name's Conti, right? But in some articles and videos I find about them online, they're listed as something else. So the Conti ransomware gang is actually called Wizard Spider. 
in the Wizard Spider extended universe, right, with their like cartel. There's Twisted Spider, Viking Spider, there's Lockbit and Suncrypt that all work together to, you know, pick out targets. Let's leave Katie there for a few minutes, tapping away at code in South Manchester. We're going to fly east, over the English Channel, across Belgium, Germany, and Poland, until we touch down in Ukraine. Ukrainian troops are watching and waiting, saying they are preparing for Russia is trying to defeat the freedom of all people in Europe. It's February 2022. Russian tanks have been piling up at the border for weeks, waiting for the order. The terror and war crimes of the coming months haven't happened yet. For now, we're on high alert, and global leaders are condemning Putin's acts of aggression. This is a flagrant violation of international law and demands a firm response. And just two days before the world changes forever, a message is posted on the dark web. It's long. As a response to Western warmongering and American threats to use cyber warfare against the citizens of Russian Federation, the Conti team is officially announcing that we will use our full capacity to deliver retaliatory measures in the case of Western warmongers attempt to target critical infrastructure in Russia or any Russian-speaking region of the world. We do not ally with any government and we condemn the ongoing war. However, since the West is known to wage its wars primarily by targeting civilians, we will use our resources in order to strike back if the well-being and safety of peaceful citizens will be at stake due to American cyber aggression. So it sounds like this big, long message, what does it boil down to? What are they saying? We support the Russian government, and if you try and intervene in Ukraine, we're going to target you with our big game hunting strategy. Now, Katie says this announcement from Conti isn't that big a deal, or at least to begin with. Until you had people come out in support of the Ukrainian government. So we saw kind of mainstay players like Anonymous, who'd been kind of quiet for a few years, come out and say, we're going to hack Russia for Ukraine. You might have heard of Anonymous. Anonymous Collective has hacked the central bank of Russia. More than 35,000 files will be released. But if you haven't, just know this. They're a decentralized hacktivist collective. In the past, they've chosen ISIS, the CIA, and the Church of Scientology as targets. And now they've got a new one, Russia. And so, the cyber war begins. Anonymous hacks into Russia's main state broadcaster, and citizens watching the news are suddenly hit with videos of bombs hitting Kyiv and messages about Russian propaganda. Russia's space agency is hacked into, and so is the Central Bank of Russia. At least six million documents are published in the first two months of Russia's invasion, whereas WikiLeaks released 10 million documents in 10 years. It's a battle happening on the digital plane, with zeros and ones for weapons and leaked data instead of death. And as part of this, a Ukrainian security researcher or somebody who was formerly employed by Conti leaked two years of chat messages. They just put it on Twitter. Someone's made a new Twitter account, at Conti Leaks. And just three days after Russian troops cross the border into Ukraine and start shooting down civilians, at Conti Leaks drops 60,000 messages from Conti's extremely private, extremely important chat logs next to a post that reads, Glory to Ukraine. 
Pages and pages of private messages between gang members. Unprecedented insight into how Conti works and who they are. This unknown hacker has ripped up the tree roots that anchor Conti in the dark and laid them bare for the world to see. Hello, it's Tom here, part of the .com team. Eat stress-free this spring with Factor's delicious ready-to-eat meals. Always fresh, never frozen. Each meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. I'm a flexitarian, so with a weekly menu of 35 options, there's plenty for me to choose from. Last night, I had the Moroccan-style almond-crusted salmon, and it was delicious. If you want more than meals, there's over 60 add-ons like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks and smoothies to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. And if you're looking for gourmet options, you can try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini and asparagus. Customise your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. You can always pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Factor is your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. So what are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash thehacking50 and use code thehacking50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code thehacking50 at factormeals.com slash thehacking50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. This is Dot Com The Hacking. Welcome back. The threat from Russia against Ukraine right now at the most incredible proportion that it ever been. Meet Alex. Alex Holden. He's been following Conti for years. He's got his own cybersecurity firm in Wisconsin in the U.S., but also has a more personal reason for devoting his life to tracking them down. I was born in Ukraine when it was part of uh, former Soviet Union, and I immigrated uh, to United States uh, back in 1989. So I want to get his perspective. We are seeing a lot of hacktivist activities going back and forth, and there is a cyber war raging between the citizens of Ukraine and citizens of Russia. It's a full-blown cyber war that uh, we never have seen before. Alex is one of the only people in the world with as much knowledge about Conti as the gang members themselves. See, he and his team infiltrate gangs like Conti, James Bond style, line of duty stuff. We uh, operate uh, completely undercover. So when the Twitter account at Conti Leaks posts all these messages, Alex isn't surprised at all. In fact, he knows who did it. It was a Ukrainian, he says, a security researcher. But when we ask for more information? Uh, I want to be uh, very respectful to his identity. The identity of this person needs to say anonymous for his own safety. He called me uh, in the morning, uh, American time, and said, I'm going to do that. I said, you know, think twice, because uh, there is certain damage to the victims that will be 
outed in these logs, in this information. He took some time, he continued with the effort, and at that time I said, okay, let's make sure that this counts. Let's make sure that uh, this is as impactful as it can be. So that's what he does. This Ukrainian hacker knows he's sitting on something incendiary. The key to uncovering some of the world's biggest and baddest cyber criminals. So he waits. Bides his time. And then, Conti announces their support for Russia, and bam! While Alex doesn't bat an eyelid, the rest of the world does a collective jaw drop. I'm on an English translation of the logs right now, and it's sort of like a year 2000 version of WhatsApp, only without the pretty background and a much uglier text. It's all written in that kind of square font, you know, the one where you can literally see the pixels. You've got the date, there's the time, the to and the from, email addresses, which, by the way, all waggishly end in .onion, which is something to do with staying anonymous. It's message after message after message. And on the face of it, it's not all that exciting. Hey, bro. Hey, how are you, bro? They read. At one point, there's Happy New Year's messages and all this cutesy bro-style talk. It livens up in places. Piece of shit, are you here? Is a particularly charmant one. I can almost smell the locker room. But a lot of it is Dullsville. But... Katie's working on a project sifting through these chat logs, and there are findings that go way beyond these everyday banalities that are just astonishing. Conti, like any good organization, has managers. We see in the logs some high-ranking managers talking to each other about things like HR. So we see uh, Mango and Stern. This is the first thing that jumps out at you when reading these logs. There's a system, and it's strict. Stern is a name that pops up a lot. They seem to be the HR person, the whip cracker, the manager of people. And clearly, he's got some clout. In one message, someone called Salamandra writes to Stern, I'm not in Russia, and we have a flood. There is a suspicion that tomorrow there will be no internet. I'm warning you about this in advance. I hope that everything will be fine, but it may turn out that I'll be without communication for 72 hours. Please do not punish. And it goes further. We actually see this like in-depth, almost discussion about how they choose their targets and what motivates them. And what does motivate them? Money. Often it's very much money-oriented. Wizard Spider, as a group, has around 100 employees on payroll. They have an HR department that handles recruiting. So they have a lot of things to actually pay for, but because they're a criminal organization, they're really unorganized as well. So a lot of bills go unpaid. And what kind of bills would they have to pay? Like, I'm thinking craft services or the company Picnic in July. Actually, running a ransomware operation requires a lot of resources. You've got to pay for servers. You've got to pay for all of the spamming and all of the phishing. They outsource. You've got to pay for that. They might have to pay their developers, their support staff, their managers. There's people whose job it is to walk like their targets through paying ransoms. So they're like uh, help desks for their customers. 
Essentially, yeah, but their customers are other victims. <laughs> well, sometimes that's what you feel like when you're a customer. <laughs> it's like Ryan said in the last episode. This is a campaign of humans, a business. Even low-level employees are getting $2,000 a month, and this can go up to 10000 There are performance bonuses, and hilariously, they even have paydays. The 1st and the 15th of each month, if you're wondering. So in terms of what you could do with that kind of salary, I mean, you could see it as almost like an entry-level job. Like, you do that for a few years, you get acquired by another ransomware company, and then you might come back or you might stay and earn a lot of bonuses. A lot of the schedules revolve around a five-day work week, but with staggered schedules, so that way there was always someone on hand, just in case they had any problems. Like, you kind of think there was, like, shifts, almost, and there were people on call. Sounds like they've got the old cogs on that machine very well oiled. But the more messages you read, the more you see the hackers don't necessarily love their jobs. Quite a lot of them talk about how much they don't like their job and how burned out they are, because although they were getting, like, this monthly income, the work was pretty boring. And what that meant is they had really high turnover, so they couldn't keep people, again, them going to other ransomware operators. So very much, that the, there, weren't, there weren't much other benefits. So I'm just scrolling through the chat logs here, and I found a message that captures perfectly this kind of um, hacker versus hacker, don't dick me over, highly dissatisfied office vibe that seems to run through Conti's ecosystem. Here is my position, says Driver to Stern. I do not agree that I should be in touch 24 hours. I sold eight hours of my time, and sometimes I stay late at work at will, but... This is my free will, and if I don't want to, I won't. Total prisoner vibe here. I am not a number. I'm a free man. Katie also says we can see morale dip between paydays. <laughs> I hear ya. And it even looks like some of them are wandering off in mid-shift. Like in one message, he went to get a haircut. Or this other guy says, I went fishing for three hours yesterday. Or, in other messages, they're being reprimanded for laziness. They're complaining about you, says Whipcracker Stern. What should be done in two hours, you do in a week. I think my favorite one uh, of all time is this one message that says, we have all the opportunities and conditions, we just need to be more professional. It's quite funny to see criminals <laughs> argue each other saying, we're just having nonsense in the chat messages, you're not doing any work, we're not answering victims and we're, well, like, support response time is awful and we're not, we're not very professional and we don't trust each other. Uh, but of course they won't trust each other because they have such valuable information about their victims and about how their operation actually works. They are terrified they're going to get poached by another ransomware organization. So these are low-level criminals who are extracting high-level consequences from international organizations, but they have just the same goofy, mundane complaints that anybody might have in an ordinary office setting. I think that's probably one of the most interesting things about this group is we often think about hackers as being people who are super criminal, super clever, super, like, secretive but actually you come down to it and it's just corporate it's the same as you get in any corporate office 
But despite this internal chaos, Conti is listed as one of the most profitable ransomware gangs out there. So they are making millions. Like if you look through the cryptocurrency payments, and like I said, like crypto is very anonymous, but it's very traceable. Um, and actually when we got these leaks of um, Conti, we actually saw how much money that was actually flowing through some of these accounts. And, it, and it's like millions and millions of dollars. So this is just absolutely melting my marbles. It's such an intriguing, maddening insight. It's like scratching an itch. I know it's bad, but there's something addictive about digging into these logs. But also, there's kind of a paradox here because the longer I scratch and the more I'm starting to understand about the details of the gang, the more its glamour and the twisted appeal of this dark criminal underground starts to fade into plain old basicness. The banality of evil, the German-Jewish philosopher Hannah Arendt once called it, after she was driven out of Germany by the Nazis. Who is Conti? Answering that question is far more involved than many people believe, because it's an entire ecosystem and it's a business model. Remember Ryan, our ransomware expert with a level of enthusiasm that's gotta be unparalleled. Estimates are that Conti has anywhere between 100 and 300 employees. So Ryan's helping me truffle out what these chat logs tell us about who these hackers actually are. The ones being told off by Stern. The ones going for haircuts when they should be working. There's a word you're going to hear a lot of, and you need to know what it means before we go any further. That word is affiliates. They're basically the ones doing the dirty work. I kind of think of them as freelancers. They're not core members of the gang as such. They're just people hired by the gang to do a particular job, finding the vulnerability, sending the phishing email, negotiating the ransom, stashing the Bitcoin, and in return, they get 70% of the ransom. That's a tidy little profit. Anyway, a lot of ransomware gangs run an affiliate program, which means they do interviews and try to outdo their competitors. We have the best affiliate program here at LockBit 2.0 because we give you the following, as opposed to our competitors who only give you the following. Like, it's literally a business model, 100%. But here's the interesting thing. Many of these human-operated campaigns are operated by these affiliates who truly don't really know. They don't have, I should say, they don't have a very, very low-level skill set, and they don't truly know many times what they might even be doing. Brian tells me he's got a document up on his screen that one of Conti's affiliates leaked after he got pissed off with mismanagement. And there's a manual, and it's like, step one, run this tool. When you run the tool, click this. Do that. Type this in. Did that work? No. If it's like um, it's like those choose your adventure books. By the way, do you remember, do you remember those books where it was like, you know, if you want to do this, go to page whatever. If you know, if it worked, go to page whatever. It's just like that. It's like, did that step work? Yes. Great. Go, you know, go to step whatever. Did that not work? Try this. It's funny though, Ryan, because it's almost a little bit like signing up to be an Avon lady or, you know, like door-to-door -door flogging some sort of beauty product. It's like, hey, we'll give you the tools and then you can come back to uh, headquarters with all of your hard-won earnings. Yeah, I mean, in a way, um, some folks may call it the way that these 
particular groups operate, you may call it a, a pyramid scheme because the folks at the top, you know, receive a bunch of money for essentially, after the fact, work they didn't even do, right? You know, their downline, if you use that proper nomenclature, does the work. Remember what Katie said at the start about this being grunt work rather than interesting security work? And all this stuff we see in the logs about not getting enough sleep and asking for time off but being ignored? It's not quite got that sly, subtle cunning that I'd expect from people who can take down Ireland's state healthcare system with a single email. First off, almost all these folks, their their primary motivations are financial. They're going to split profits. And so the whole concept of bringing down a hospital and potentially putting human life at risk, it, it goes back to that, you know, that, that old human trait in nature. It's like, well, I'm, I'm either going to starve or I'm going to do what I have to do. And unfortunately, many of these folks the interest situation where they realize, wait a minute, I don't have to know how to develop or write, you know, code or ransomware. All I have to do is go on to some, what we call a darknet forum. They create an account and they pop in and say, hey, I'd like to be an affiliate. I want 70% of the profits. If I can get a million dollars out of some organization, I'd like 70% of that. And the developers typically say, okay, there's not much of a vetting process. There's not much of a You're not going to go to anything stupid, are you? No, they just let them do it. They say, okay, here you go. So, we've got these affiliates hired by the gang to be the fingers on the keyboard for 70% of the ransom if the company pays up. And they could be anyone who just wants a little bit of extra cash. But you heard Ryan. These chat logs show us something very interesting. These affiliates are sloppy, unskilled. So who's pulling the strings? I think the absolute best example is to look up Waza Waka goes Waka Waka. Yeah, good luck spelling that. But (laughs) (laughs) if you've ever wanted to know what exactly does one of these people look like, or for that matter, if you want to see a video... There's a big-time security researcher who people love called Brian Krebs. And at the start of 2022, he helped unveil the real-life identity of this ransomware guy calling himself Waza Waka. Wazawaka, who also elusively goes by the moniker Orange, ran the affiliate program for the ransomware group Babook and was earning a tidy sum. Anyway, Brian Krebs dismantles any glamorous illusion you might have about this guy by reporting on his blog, Krebs on Security, that Wazawaka is a 30-something father living in Abakan, a city in central Russia nearish the Mongolian border. And his name's actually Mikhail Pavlovich Matviv. After this grand reveal, Wazawaka responds in a video called, well, Wazawaka Responds. It's a bemusing video. A young-looking guy with a buzz cut and arrogant, dead eyes with a passing resemblance to Vladimir Putin is sitting in front of a brick wall, silently regarding the camera as a recording of his own voice plays in the background. He's nodding along with his recording like a common or garden-variety bro. Then the tape stops and he starts speaking. He's saying, Hello, Brian Krebs. You did a really great job, actually. It's great that journalism works so well in the U.S. And then he says, By the way, it is my voice in the background. I just love myself a lot. Yeah, it's me. I'm great. I'm special. You know, uh, you all suck. I'm amazing. 
He looks like exactly what you would think a a young Russian male with um, very, very distinct uh, feature that he has is that he's missing a finger on his, is that his left hand or his right hand? It's his left. This is the weirdest part of the video. At one point, the guy raises his hand almost in a salute to show the camera he's missing one of his fingers supposedly to prove that he is indeed the real Wazawaka, because legend has it he'd lost one of his fingers in a bet. Personally, I, I'm, I'm nearly 40 at this point, and I'm looking at this guy like, are you kidding me? You're what's caused this much damage and devastation. And the more that threat researchers start looking at the actors behind the ransomware groups, they see that many of them are, are just like this young man. They're early to mid 20s, and they just have a, a very high level of arrogance and they feel as though they cannot be touched. And apparently as long as they don't take down, you know, pipelines in the United States, for the most part, they are, you know, un untouchable. So that's the first guy we know. And it fits with every image I now have in my head of a ransomware gang member. But the second person really does not. Here's Katie. So one of the programmers who made TrickBot or was involved in TrickBot. TrickBot being a kind of malware. Was actually a 55-year-old Latvian who was then arrested in Florida. And she was involved in overseeing the creation of code for monitoring and tracking authorized users of the TrickBot malware. The control and deployment of ransomware, obtaining payments, developing tools, everything you would need to get your very own ransomware gang. And she was a self-employed website designer and a mum of two. Wow, talk about a side hustle. Yeah, and a lot of people actually were, when she got arrested, felt really bad because she was this mother figure of the group. Max, as she was known, was actually Alavita, and she lived in Suriname. I'm looking at the profile she'd made for herself on her personal website. On the right, she's written a description. I am a computer programmer by education. I like to solve complex problems in life that require brainstorming. That's exactly what coding is all about. At the bottom, she's graphic designed her own emblem, an ornate A and W next to copyright 2016 Alavita. And on the left, there's a photo of her. She's a middle-aged lady with girlish hair swept to one side, and she's looking straight into the camera with a playful half-smile. Now, Alla had already been arrested by the time the Conti leaks happened. But what they did reveal, which was new, was the fact that the gang, who felt like they'd lost a mother figure when she was arrested, talked at length about forking out $10 million for her legal representation. But at the same time, and less altruistically, the gang member Mango suggests that paying her fees might give them insider intel on the government's ongoing investigation into TrickBot. Talk about corruption. So I really don't think it's very easy to just stick them in a box and go, oh yeah, these are probably young guys, or maybe they're people who want to have some spending money, maybe they're doing university and they want to kind of do it on the side. There's really not like one group or another. And I think that says a lot about uh, the kind of weird diversity in these groups where you have a 55-year-old Latvian woman who was arrested as well as what seem to be younger men who are kind of doing this as kind of their main job. 
So Allah was apprehended, but most of Conti's members haven't been. And they're living in opulence. Videos have been leaked of their flashy lifestyles. Racing cars, Gucci t-shirts, watches with Bitcoin addresses engraved onto them. Here's Ryan. Uh, we're talking like gold-plated, crazy big automatic, you know, fully automatic guns. We see them with jewelry. We see them with diamonds. We see them with all the superfluous things in life that you would think, hey, save the money or use it to improve your community or something. Nah, they usually spend it on really stupid things. Of course, we also see a very heavy amount of the money being spent on drugs. They then feed that money into the overall organization. Those weapons and drugs and, and all the money that is generated goes to just generating additional money to cause more hurt and pain and horrible things. They're doing horrible things, but not getting done for it. If a guy can upload a video of himself goading the American press and admitting culpability without fear of capture, what the heck is going on? Is it just a game of whack-a-mole? There's just too many of them? That is one reason. The other reason is that for many of them, they are beyond the reach of a lot of these government entities, not because they're fully beyond the reach, but many times they're working with them. In addition to that, you know, these are located in countries that are non-friendly. There's no extradition laws, for example, with the United States or the UK or their primary targets. So these people, for the most part, are like, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And what are you going to do about it? And that's it. As fascinating and insightful as these leaks are, and also in places a frickin' good read, how useful have they been in taking down Conti? Because aside from cozying up to law enforcement, Katie said it. There's a lot of shape-shifting and head-hunting, making it hard to keep your finger on who's who and which gang's which. Conti, Lockbit, Wizard Spider, Babook. The lines are blurred, and that helps them stay hidden. Here's Alex. Conti is just uh, one of those, one of many. And it's remarkable in its own way, but it's not the biggest, it's not the baddest, it's just another gang. So from our perspective, um, you know, while Conti Leaks was damaging to the gang, we said, okay, well, it's, is it going to really kill them? And um, yes, we said that, uh, you know, it's probably a death blow, but unfortunately for all of us, it was a uh, near death blow. They are still active, they're still functioning, and uh, they're still doing damage. And they're doing considerable damage. In April, Conti began its unforgiving assault on Costa Rica, which has since crippled the country and plunged the government into chaos. President Chavez has declared a state of national emergency and waged war on the group. Conti is rewriting the rules of cybercrime, according to Wired. So maybe that's why, pretty soon after the leak, President Biden makes an offer. If you give us information about the Conti gang, you get a reward. $15 million. We've learned so much about Conti from these leaks that we didn't know before. The work, the pay, the people, the office politics, the guys in charge, how they recruit, and how they choose targets. But weirdly, it seems we're no closer to stopping them. The challenge that we have in this space is, even if you can manage to identify the individuals, they are often living in countries where it is very difficult for us to get physical access to them. This is Michael Daniel. We heard him briefly in our last episode. He used to work for Obama. And so what I would say is that to the extent that 
the members of the Conti group want to continue carrying out their activities, they will probably be able to do so. They just, they have to retool, they have to change some of their tactics, techniques, and procedures that they use, and that takes time. Some of them will probably go and join other groups. Um, so, you know, we may not see Conti come back directly as effectively as Conti, but certainly the many of the people that are involved are not going to suddenly decide to go pursue an honest lifestyle. So I think we can expect many of those individuals to be back either as Conti itself or as part of other groups or under a different name. It's kind of like a big old square dance where everybody's changing partners but still executing the same steps. There's a great deal of truth to that. So, Michael, ransomware is obviously destabilizing in many different ways. Should ransomware gangs, do you think, be treated as a terrorist threat? So, you know, that's an interesting question. I think drawing a direct analogy to terrorism comes with a whole lot of baggage. But if by your question, do you mean, should we treat it as a national security threat and apply the same level of focus and attention and coordination between the intelligence community, law enforcement, private sector, and those sorts of things? From a priority standpoint, I think the answer is yes. I wonder if it's useful to think of these people, the affiliates, Mango, Stern, Olivetta, Wazawaka, in these generalizing terms, hackers, gangs, criminals. On the one hand, it sounds kind of razzle-dazzle, an international gang, sci-fi and futuristic. But then on the other hand, these are individuals. Wazawaka is Mikhail, a father, and Max is Allah, who also has two kids. Here's Katie. I think it's really important that when we approach any kind of analysis of things like chat logs, of interpersonal relationships, that we go in from a place of uh, integrity and kind of almost empathy for them. It's important because these are real people having real conversations. And if we do start to think of them as, you know, almost dehumanize them into gang members rather than people, it can stop us, who are the good guys, from doing the ethical right thing. Let's be clear. These are petty criminals, and their victims are undoubtedly more worthy of our empathy. But I just wonder. And Katie makes an even more poignant point. For all these discussions of cyber warfare, I think it's really important not to get bogged down in the cyber aspect. Remember, there's actual warfare on the ground. And as much as these discussions around cyber weapons and almost video game aspect, or maybe even like esports, where it's like who's battling who and who's winning when actually there is a loser here and it's the people of Ukraine who are getting invaded, even as we speak. But Conti aren't the only ones. They've got rivals who haven't had their chat logs leaked and are functioning completely in the shadows. 
like R. Evil, who in May 2021 took down 1,500 businesses, including kindergartens, supermarkets, and hospitals, and demanded $70 million in return in what was the biggest single ransomware demand of all time. We're all victims of criminals. The enemy has a lot of tenacity and drive and dedication, and they keep saying they're not backing down. I think the only charge that I could have is that we've got the same call. That's next time on .com The Hacking. .com is a crowd network original and is presented by me, Katie Puckrick. It's written and produced by Anna Stauffenberg and is edited by Crawford Blair. The music we use is from our partner's BMG Production Music. If you're new to .com, go back and listen to Series 2 on Reddit. The first episode is about the social media website vigilantes that took down Wall Street last year in the most dramatic show of David versus Goliath Reddit had ever seen. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. <laughs>